Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. Because you feel drained, fatigued, low mood, lacking in energy, wanting comfort, does not make you a failure. We all have this. This is a psychological part to your journey in menopause. I've never spoken or worked with a menopausal woman who has said to me at any of their check-ins with me, Adele, I felt so low mood for the last couple of days. I just needed to comfort myself. So I ate a carrot and I had a salad. Welcome back to another empowering episode of the Menopause Coach Podcast. The podcast where we explore ways to embrace the changes that come with this significant phase of life, to see this as a time that we get to thrive, not survive. And I'm your host, Adele Johnston, as always, the menopause coach. So today we're covering a topic that many of us can relate to when deep inside perimenopause and menopause life, the unwanted belly fat that we seem to waken up to one day figuratively speaking. We of course don't, but it feels that way, doesn't it? So this title of the episode of how to lose your menopause belly is probably one that you've went, oh my gosh, yes, I need to listen to this. But before we get started, remember our bodies are constantly evolving. How amazing are we? And it's essential to approach any change with that self-love lens, with a beautiful self-patience and also self-respect, okay, for your unique journey. So let's embark on this informative journey together inside this episode with that love lens at the forefront. So that is my invitation for you, to you and with you as we journey inside this episode topic today. So I want to start with the mini teach on understanding the menopause belly first, because menopause can bring about a variety of physical changes in our female body, many of which we have covered in detail and others we have skimmed across in past episodes. There are over 70 episodes in here now (laughs) to date and growing. And one of the most frustrating things for many of us is the accumulation of fat in our body, particularly around our tummy area or belly, belly fat, yeah, during menopause or perimenopause. So why does this happen? And I get asked this a lot. Adele, why am I getting belly fat? I've never had belly fat in my life. One woman actually said to me, Adele, I've seemingly moved all the fat from my legs onto my belly. Why has that happened? Well, several factors that contribute to our menopause bellies. And I just want to make a disclaimer here right now. I too have this battle. I too wake up some days and think, oh my gosh, like it's back. It is back and I do not know what I've done that has changed, that has brought the menopause belly back. It happens. And then other times it will go. And I'm going to share with you why that's so. Okay, one of the things that we associate as being the main and biggest one is hormonal changes. Our hormones answer to a lot. They're so powerful, yet so pesky. So particularly when we think about a decrease in estrogen levels, this in turn can lead to many other factors such as reduced motivation. We've all been there. Reduced energy levels. We've all been there having sofa naps, or as some of my ladies call them, nana naps. 
And as a direct result in that, we can move less, yeah, which in turn can lead to a shift in fat distribution and fat growth and causing that fat in our bodies to be stored more in our abdominal area. Another consideration is metabolism and also tends to slow down as we age. That's kind of a a bit of a normal part of aging. But as we tend to move a little less and possibly still eat the same amount of food, if not more at times than what our body truly needs for energy, then making it easier to gain weight. Now, when we think about weight gain, we've covered an episode on this entirely on weight gain versus fat gain, two different things, but making it easier to gain weight, which is different from fat, and gain fat. Okay, so both things happen. Yeah, weight gain, if we take a bit of a a rewind and go back into the episode on fat gain and um, weight gain and the differences, remembering that weight will come onto our body and come off of our body for many different reasons. We may step on the scales to see that we have gained four pounds in one evening. You do not gain four pounds of body fat in one evening. Body fat comes onto your body over time and consistently by having excess amounts of energy that is not used and is stored. Weight, however, can come onto or off of the body through multiple different reasons. You may be constipated, so you're holding extra waste product in your bowels. You may have eaten a heavy meal which is not fully digested and therefore food still in your tummy. You may be having fluid retention or inflammation. So many different reasons, yeah, that this can happen. And with fat gain, there is one particular and one real reason that this then happens to our body. It's where we have had additional calorie consumption or energy intake through food over time, not overnight, consistently, continuously, and the body is not using that energy. Therefore, it stores that energy in what we call fat lipids, fat cells in the body. Okay, so it's important to note that. So making it easier for us to gain weight, making it easier for us to gain body fat, especially for us women around our abdomen, our midsection, our belly. So we may find that we start to become a bit leaner in other areas of our body where we've maybe never had that before. My own personal journey was always that I really did not like my legs when I was growing up. They had no shape. So I trained them. I grew muscle as best I could. Lacking in testosterone made that difficult. And then when I entered perimenopause, I started to think, oh, my legs are changing. I quite like these. They're getting shape. They look a bit different. Um, not holding as much fat around the tops. This is quite nice. And then obviously that fat had other reason to then move itself to my belly in perimenopause and fat distribution changed. So two reasons that we've covered so far, hormonal changes in our body. As we enter into perimenopause, our estradiol levels start to drop. You'll have heard this in all of the previous episodes. And with that, the receptors in our body, the estrogen receptors, are not then being fed. They're not accumulating or receiving, sorry, the estrogen that they need. And we still have other estrogens in our body, just not the queen bee of estrogen, which is our estradiol. So the body will naturally then look for replacing that estrogen when it is losing estradiol. So it will hold on to other forms of estrogen. And we hold a form of estrogen, not 
the queen bee, not the abundance oestrogen, but we hold a lesser form of oestrogen inside our lipids, our fat cells. The body is retaining the fat cells because it is wanting the oestrogen. Now, that is in its simple form. What I am not saying here is, oh well, that's me, I'm done. I cannot lose this belly fat because perimenopause states that my body will hold on to this body fat. Yeah, because it's got oestrogen in it. As soon as we start to go into a fat burning phase or we go into a calorie deficit range, our body will start to use the fat in the body and hey presto, we are then reducing the belly fat. So I'm going to cover how all this works in a bit more detail further into this episode, but I just want to consider that we have two areas or two lenses we are looking at here. We are looking at the hormonal changes in the body. That's nothing we have done or have not done. The body will go through this. We are then also considering that we have changes to fat distribution and fat accumulation. And fat accumulation is done over a period of time through us consuming energy above what the body is using. Now, that might be that we have been comfort eating. That might be that we are eating to the same level of food volume when actually we might not be as hungry. We are mindlessly consuming our meals. So being a bit more mindful is one of the strategies we will touch upon. But I want to also look at this by another consideration being metabolism. This also tends to slow down as we age and there's multiple reasons for this. But as we tend to move a little less, possibly still eat the same, if not more at times than what our body truly needs, it makes weight gain a little bit easier, especially around our belly. And we we covered this a moment ago. So with metabolism... This is a beautiful segue for us to look at healthy eating habits. Now let's get into some practical steps. A little mini teach around this is brilliant, but we're here for the how, right? We're here to know how we can reduce the menopause belly fat. So the practical steps that you get to take to shed that menopause belly fat start first and foremost with focusing on your eating habits. Okay, you've heard me cover menopause nutrition and healthy living in past episodes, but for this one, it's mainly looking at the balance that you bring into your life. Okay, this is not just on a daily, it's also over weekly and monthly. And my biggest top tip for this is opt for a balanced diet that's rich in whole foods. Okay, this does not mean that we are looking at foods as good or bad, right or wrong. We want to simply include Fruits, roots and vegetables, okay, lean proteins, whole grains, all the things we know are good for us, but not necessarily the ones that we will naturally gravitate to unless we are living mindfully. Okay, this is nothing new. It's a given, but, and let's do that as a big capital bolded but with one T, that's a big but. We tend to feel resistant to these foods at times when we feel drained, fatigued, low mood, we're lacking in energy and if we want comfort and that all plays a role because you feel drained, fatigued, low mood, lacking in energy, wanting comfort does not make you a failure. We all have this. This is a psychological part to your journey in menopause. I've never spoken or worked with a menopausal woman who has said to me at any of their check-ins with me, 
Adele, I felt so low mood for the last couple of days. I just needed to comfort myself. So I ate a carrot and I had a salad, right? It's usually a refined carbohydrate that pulls us in and out of our comfort space. It's usually something that we associate with nostalgia. For me, one of my biggest comforts is having rice pudding. Yeah, I love rice pudding. My mum used to make that for me when I was a little girl and it's always the, you know, the carbohydrate rich foods. Yeah, the stodgy foods that I get to sit down with a warm bowl of homemade rice pudding. Really creamy. Love it. And it just makes me feel good. And food is meant to make you feel good. Food is meant to be there for your health, for your thriving in life. Yes, for nutrition. Yes, for vitamins and minerals, but also for celebration, for love, for comfort, for happiness. Yeah, all these things. And I think what happens is over the kind of social media platform, it can be very demonized. And if you turn to food for comfort, it does not make you a failure or a bad person. Food is comfort. But what we have to appreciate in the psychology lens from this, and this comes into the mind pillar of my reclamation formula, we have to then know, well, where is the trigger for that comfort originating? Because what we also know, we're very intelligent women, we also know that that rice pudding is not going to solve the thing that is causing me to need comfort. It's not going to take it away. It's not going to resolve it. Yes, it will give me short-term satisfaction, but it won't give me the long-term resolve. So we get to look at food as a comfort. We sure do. And I don't know anybody that's ever turned around and said, I had my carrot or my salad and I felt comforted. Yeah, we normally will turn to more refined carbohydrates for that. And it's a full episode on itself to look at how we can then understand mindfully when we are slipping into comfort response. Yeah, I will probably cover that one for you. So usually a refined carbohydrate that pulls us in and out for comfort. But what we want to appreciate here is we want to minimize our uber or ultra processed foods. Yeah, those sugary snacks and excessive consumptions then of things like stimulants, alcohol, for example, or heavy smoking. These are the kinds of non-negotiables, okay? The things that we know, but don't always limit when we're feeling low or needing a comfort. Yeah, when mood is low, when we're lacking energy and in need of a comfort, when things are feeling hard, we will naturally gravitate towards something that we can control that makes us feel good. Now, if you're a smoker, that might be that you smoke more than usual. If you're someone who turns to chocolate, chocolate bars, then you might consume more. And then that itself can bring and lead to that shame and guilt bucket. And we are not here for that. But there are things that can completely make these thoughts and feelings so much worse in the long term and don't serve. And it's difficult to put ourselves into that future awareness and acknowledgement mindset when we are feeling lacking in mood and energy and happiness. Yeah, there are many women who I work to support or speak with, speak with people, not just women, who rely heavily on their daily glass of wine that when we unpack that a little, it's really half a bottle or more of wine in a night. And what we have to appreciate with that is it's a stimulant and it exasperates the mood that we are feeling. So if we are actually feeling a little bit low mood, if anxiety is taking a hold of us, if we're suffering from some of the symptoms like heart palpitations, then actually alcohol is probably one of the worst things that we can turn to in those moments. What we need to look at here is the quantity of what we have and the frequency playing a huge role in our overall fat storage 
So being mindfully aware of portion control is important. So I want to move us into being mindful of portion sizes. Okay, as we age and our calorie needs decrease, as we have slightly reduced levels of muscle mass. And this can also then have a direct impact on our metabolism. So we know this, okay, we know that by now our requirements for calorie range or energy to satisfy our menopausal bodies don't necessarily change at the start. As we become postmenopausal and we age, we may, and I'm not saying well, we may see a reduction in muscle volume. And with that, the requirement for energy in the body drops. The more muscle you have, the more energy you need, the more food you will consume or, or should consume to sustain and grow that muscle. We need to think about this in forms of we enjoy our food, but we also have that to help our cells grow, repair and sustain the level of muscle volume in the body. As we age and this muscle decreases for some people, okay, that caveat is for those that continue to keep protein intake within optimal, what's called MPS, muscle protein synthesis range. Okay, all we need to know about that is there's this amazing optimal range for our body that we need to consume to make sure that our muscles repair and grow optimally. And if we don't, we will lose some of that muscle. We also, however, cannot just look at it from, well, that's fine, I'll just eat more protein. We have to be training our muscles. Yeah, we need to give it some form of resistance training. Around three times per week is great. Four times per week is awesome. Okay, so if you can manage to do three resistance movements in a week, ace, then we're not in that risk zone of losing the muscle volume. Okay, that is a risk. The more muscle we lose, the less protection we have for our skeleton. The more muscle we lose, the less mobility opportunity we may have in later life. We need our muscles to function. We need our muscles to stand up off a chair, get out of bed, and to be able to carry the 20 million bags out the boot of the car when we go do our food shop. Yeah, I am that stubborn woman who will take every bag in in one go. <laughs> will make me very sad the day that I maybe cannot do that. So I train to be able to lift every single shopping bag out of my boot in one go. So we need to make sure that we are mindful of this, that we are educated and know that actually we eat our protein to support our cell repair and support our muscle. That is vital at any age, but the muscle that you have now in your perimenopause and menopause years is going to support you when the inevitable does happen. Okay, we do not sustain that muscle our entire life. Okay, maybe unless we are a full-blown bodybuilder who trains like six to seven days per week, we will sustain that. For any of you who have watched the Arnold documentary on Netflix, you will see how Arnold has maintained a phenomenal physique as an elderly man. Okay, we wouldn't look at him and be like, wow, he's old, right? He's, well, let's suppose, what is he in his 70s now? But he has sustained such volume of muscle because he trains and eats to do that. We're not going to even cover the fact of the performance enhancing drugs in his earlier years for training and whether he still does that is irrelevant to this podcast. But he has lost some size. He has lost some muscle volume and we can see that as he's aged. But if he had not been a bodybuilder, if he had not trained the way he trained, he would not have the same muscle volume that he has with the same mobility that he has in his life. So when we think about this, I am not here to say to you, you need to become a bodybuilder. 
But what I am inviting you to consider if you don't already do any resistance training is to start. You do not need to join a gym to do that. You simply need to get creative. You can use bands. You can go for walks with weights. You can wear weighted vests. You can go and do your mini food shop at the local shop. Okay, whether that's a corner shop or a local supermarket or store. Take a backpack, fill the backpack, walk home. These are all forms of resistance training. You do not need a gym to do this. Okay, so please do not have that as an excuse. When we think about being mindful of portion sizes, knowing that as we age, our calorie needs decrease, they change. Okay, slightly reduced levels of muscle mass require slightly reduced levels of energy. So lower calorie range to satisfy. But as we age and this muscle decreases, we also need to consider that training is important and it's not inevitable that we will lose our muscle if we are eating optimal protein range and training resistance wise around three times to four times per week. So let's jump inside protein. Something I find occurs all too often with us is limited amounts of protein eaten daily and across the week. Now your body is a big walking protein source, okay? And it's full of protein cells, amino acids, and all the beautiful parts of cells that make you you. And as such, we need adequate amounts of protein inside our body through food to help our cells repair and grow stronger. So take the example of your muscles. Without training your muscles and then without feeding your muscle ample amounts of protein in your meals, we risk the reduction in those muscles as we've covered. The same becomes true for all other cells and functions in our body. So to support this and to include lean sources of protein like fish, poultry, tofu, legumes, lots of plant-based options in there, and aim to eat around 20 grams at each main meal, so breakfast, lunch, dinner, if you're doing three meals per day, or a daily intake of around 90 grams. Okay, if you're aiming for 20 grams at each main meal, that will give you 60 across the day if you're only a three meal eater. If you can introduce a couple of snack options in there and get that up to around 80 to 90 grams per day, you are absolutely winning at your protein intake. So I want to ask you the question now to consider, do you do this already? Can you think back to your last meal? Did that meal include a protein source? Or was that meal quite heavily into the carbohydrates or fats? So protein can really help maintain and support a healthy body and metabolism. The foods that we choose to eat do make a big impact on our menopause belly fat that we store and we can absolutely lose it. And it can, for some, require change in habits and lifestyle to support with that, which is why we hear a lot of women say, I just can't lose it. I can't lose my belly fat. You can, but it includes really, really getting clear around whether your habits and lifestyle are conducive to losing it. So with food intake touched upon already, I want to take you across to body movement and supporting fat reduction through that. If we look at exercise for a strong core muscle group, exercise is another key component of losing that menopause belly. Focus on activities that strengthen your core and help you burn calories. But activities like aerobic exercise are brilliant for this. So engaging in aerobic activities, in other words, in our team and with our ladies, we call those sweaty boob activities, like brisk steps for health, speed walking, jogging, cycling, even swimming, 
to burn calories and stimulate your muscles. These are important. And my favourite for many, many reasons that we have talked about with Arnold, strength training. Incorporating strength training exercises to build muscle and to really help you to sustain what you already have can really help increase your resting metabolic rate. This is important because this is what supports our energy use. The more muscle we have, the more energy the body can use, the less fat we store. How amazing is that? Okay, this is a very, very simple explanation of, I suppose, explaining this, but the more muscle we have, the more energy the body can use, the less fat we store. So one myth that I want to dispel in this right away is about spot reducing fat. We cannot just focus on doing core exercise workouts and lose the belly fat. If only it worked that way. Specific core exercises like planks and crunches and things like leg raises, they can target abdominal muscles. Yeah, and core muscle groups, the obliques and the abdominals, even your back, and improve your core strength, which is awesome. We need that for mobility. But please do not be fooled into thinking that that is all you solely need to do. Sit-ups and crunches, yeah, and that you'll burn all your belly fat. It's a bigger reliance on food and overall movement that supports with losing the belly fat, not spot reducing through doing crunches and sit-ups. So whilst we focus on the core strength and it helps us pour some of that energy into other areas. So once you have strengthened your core, you're going to be able to perform way better mobility wise at things like yoga and Pilates. And these disciplines can really enhance your flexibility your overall posture and core strength whilst supporting reducing stress. Okay, that plays a massive role in our overall health and well-being after all, but also within reducing our belly fat. So let's move into stress management and we'll incorporate sleep into this as well. Stress and lack of sleep can also contribute to weight gain and the menopausal belly. Here's how to manage them effectively. I invite you to practice some stress reduction techniques like mindfulness. We touched upon that at the start of the episode around are you truly mindful with the foods that you are eating, quantity, frequency and quality. Meditation practice. This is not just for very woo-woo spiritual people. Meditation can be done anytime, anywhere, any day. You can do meditation with your eyes open. This is not the typical, yeah, Google the word meditation and see the monks sitting around and humming. This is about you being able to be mindful and present. Okay, the word meditation means to be present in the here and now. You are able to be present on your walk. And there is the five senses meditation that you can complete on that walk, where you're able to look at what are five things you can see but not touch, four things you can see but can touch, Three things that you can smell. Two things that you can hear. One thing that you can taste. And you can do it in any order. If you decide that you wanted five things that you could smell, do it that way. But be very present and work your way through your five senses. Deep breathing or breath work. One that I am very, very fond of and do every single day for myself and dedicate to breathwork practices for my ladies and my clients. They get one-on-one time with me to do breathing together. And when we bring in visualization to that, it is so powerful for success. Or even just thinking about hobbies that bring you joy. Okay, we have this saying inside my company, what's your joy bubble activity today? And I ask that of my team and I ask that of my clients. And that helps us to be able to reach inside that bubble 
and pull out something that we can go do, someone that we might want to meet with or speak with, or an experience to help lift our mood in a moment where things maybe feel stressful. So I'm asking you, what's your joy bubble activity today? When we think about sleep, it's something that we all strive for and just take for granted that it's going to happen. But how frustrating is it when we get into bed a little earlier and we cannot fall asleep? Or we fall asleep and then waken with what feels like a million times in the night. It's all too easy for the quote unquote professionals in the sleep space to say, aim for seven to nine hours of quality sleep per night. I'm kind of always like, well, tell my hormones that. (laughs) And then maybe we'll achieve it together because I'm inside these PJs. I'm inside these PJs early. I'm inside my bed routine early and it's legitimately platinum level, this bedtime routine. But these hormones are having a party inside my body. And right now, they are not going to allow me to go to sleep. It's not happening anytime soon. So poor sleep can disrupt our hormones. And this is where it's linked to today's topic around menopause and belly fat. These hormonal fluctuations caused by poor sleep can then lead to an increased appetite, comfort needing, and lowering level of movement. If you're struggling with anything raised during today's episode, then I encourage you to consult with a healthcare provider or a nutritionist before making significant changes to your diet or your exercise routine for that matter, especially during your menopause. Yeah, I support women all over the world and one common theme is the burning desire to lose the belly fat quickly So fad diets and strategies that I as a professional know will only lead to ongoing struggle in the long term start to get actioned. Diets that mean that you're cutting food groups, diets that see you eat little food, diets that have you not eat food at all. We've even had diets that have their own brandy drink shakes that you have instead of food. Diets that subconsciously demonise foods and brand foods with traffic light systems which then have a direct impact on your psychology linked to self-value, self-worth and self-love. So losing your menopause belly involves an approach that combines healthy eating, regular joy-based movement, stress reduction and quality of sleep. So if we condense that even further into three key areas of focus for you to consider, it would be nutrition, lifestyle and mind, my reclamation formula for success. And it works three steps. So remember that the journey that you are on is unique. It's unique for everyone. And it's crucial to prioritize your well-being and embrace the changes that come with this transformational phase in your life. Your belly fat has not just appeared overnight. I know it feels that way. Yeah, it felt that way for me. But you can absolutely lose the unwanted belly fat, okay? I have done it myself and supported hundreds of women around the world to do the same. But please never do so at the detriment to your health and happiness. If you can approach it from a place of love and self-respect, your journey is going to be sustainable, okay? Long-term and actually enjoyable along the way. If you're a menopausal woman, struggling to lose unwanted belly fat just now and you have an invitation from me to email okay the email link is in the show notes adela adelejohnstoncoaching.com or dm me on instagram if that works better for you i have three one-to-one coaching spaces available to work with you and what makes our support the best support 
is how beautifully you are coached and cared for. Inside my reclamation formula, you will be supported by qualified nutritionists, qualified women's health trainers, and qualified positive psychology coaching that makes what we offer the best of the best in the menopause support space. We don't offer group support for this reason. So we are a team that can pour into you and your needs individually. You're not only going to have access to me as your coach and mentor, but you're also going to have your very own fat loss coach to support you with healthy, sustainable fat loss, with health at the forefront of your entire journey. Hiring us as a menopause support team is the most abundant and loving investment in your health, your wealth and yourself that you can make. In just a few short weeks, you'll be making progress. Okay, imagine what you can achieve in the six months that we dedicate to supporting you. So this is for you if you are a woman ready to take charge of your health, your life and your success. This is for you if you're ready to be educated in women's health and menopause so you are knowledgeable and empowered in your own care. This is not for you if you're solely looking for a fat loss coach. What we offer you is complete freedom from diets, from lack and restriction. Okay, that is it for today's episode of The Menopause Coach. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, please consider subscribing, sharing it with friends who might benefit and of course, leave a review. This helps the podcast grow and reach more women who need it around this beautiful world. And as always, remember this, your body is incredibly unique. Your body is yours, your body is special, and your body is the only one that you will ever have. It is capable of adapting and thriving throughout your life journey, making you the most resilient thing on earth right now. So embrace the changes, see them as opportunities, love yourself, live your best life in and beyond menopause. This time of my life is the best time yet because of the work that I have done myself because of the work that the Reclamation Formula helps you to achieve in your success journey. So until next week, take care, stay vibrant and please do reach out if this has spoken to you in a heart-based level and you know that you want and need this support, my team and I are here. Your invitation is now live. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing, to help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.